Welcome to Future Proof, the marketing podcast from Said Business School, Oxford University, and Kantar, the data insights and consulting company. In each episode, we speak to industry leaders about the big issues in marketing, sharing evidence and inspiration for the future. This episode was... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Recorded live at Can Lions in June 2019. Welcome to Future Proofing Creativity. I'm Jane Oster from Kantar, and today my guest is Cindy Gallup, who is founder and CEO of Make Love Not Porn. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you. Thrilled to be here. So we've done some research which says that advertisers think they're doing a very good job on gender portrayals. Most marketers think they're doing a good job. Um, unfortunately, the search, research also shows us that consumers don't agree. There's a bit of a gap, and consumers think that gender portrayals aren't adequate or effective. Where do you stand on all of that? Well, first of all, I assume when you say marketers, you mean white male marketers, which are the dominant um, narrative and um, are very misguidedly patting themselves on the back. I'm obviously with the consumers. And the reason for that is what we do not need in this industry is young white male creatives thinking very seriously about how they're going to portray diversity and gender in advertising. Um, if you simply hire and promote and retain and value and celebrate women in your creative department, in your agency, in your leadership teams, and if you therefore have women creating approving, producing, and directing the ads, problem solved. No more stereotypes. And, and by the way, Jane, I am being very semantically precise, okay? What we need is women creating the ads, and we need women approving the ads. Because it doesn't matter what a brilliant ad that one female creative team you hired into your department to look like you were gender equal. It doesn't matter what they came up with if the white male ECD has decided it's not right and brought his own lens to bear. Um, it also doesn't matter what they came up with if the agency really only wants to work with a marquee name director to shoot the commercial, all of whom are white and male, who therefore believe when it comes to casting the women in the ad that we only want to look at attractive... You, you see where I'm going. Um, 
every single link of the production supply chain in our industry needs to be gender equal, diverse and inclusive for creative output to come out the other end that consumers will empathise with. And by the way, um, I'm not a fan of the word diversity because to me it's not about diversity, it's about humanity. When we talk about diversity, all we're talking about is reflecting the world as it really is. Yeah. And if we want to reflect the world as it really is in our creative output, we have to reflect the world as it really is in our teams, in our creative departments, in our agencies, in our holding companies, in our client companies. So some advertisers have started along this route. They've started this journey where they've started uh, looking at procurement, who's working on the business, um, who are the directors on the roster, um, who, who's pitching for this work. So some advertisers are making some right steps in the right direction, aren't they? So I was an agency CEO for many years. I know exactly how you game the system to tick the boxes. It is very easy um, to look at a box checking exercise and to do little things internally to make it look like you've ticked all the boxes when you really, really haven't. And I'm very glad that we're having this conversation here at Can Lions because all around us for this entire week are examples of how the industry um, and white male dominated credit departments are putting gender equality and diversity and inclusion into advertising, um, but not actually doing it. So you I'm, think it's a surface treatment only I'm, at the absolutely. moment? Absolutely. I'm okay. all about communication through demonstration. Don't talk diversity. Don't create inspirational, compelling campaigns about diversity. Don't do stunts about diversity. Just be diverse. So we need, we need more cases where people are actually walking the talk, is that what you think? Absolutely. Okay. Um, um, and, and, and sorry, if you don't mind, um, yes. I, I just want to underline how very difficult it is for this industry to achieve that um, within the system. And what I mean by that is, at the top of this industry is a closed loop of white guys talking to white guys about other white guys. Those white guys are sitting very pretty. They've got their gigantic salaries, their huge bonuses, their enormous pools of stock options, their lavish expense accounts. Why on earth would they ever want to rock the boat? Oh, oh, they have to talk diversity. They have to appoint chief diversity officers. They have to have diversity initiatives. They have to say the word diversity a lot, especially in public and especially this week. Secretly, deep down inside, they don't want to change a thing because the system is working just fine for them as it currently is. It's like the old joke about the light bulb. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. And in our <laughs> industry, the light yeah. bulb does not really want to change. Okay, so we've seen the rise of some quite interesting business models, influencers who are really doing their own thing, um, talking about what they really believe in and what they really want to talk about and how they want to be portrayed. Do you think that the answer then is that maybe the agencies won't change that much, but there's an opportunity, there's a market opportunity for new types of agencies, startups? Oh my God, absolutely. So, and I've been saying this at Cannes um, on my various panels and sessions this week, but, but I say it all the time anyway. Um, what I say um, to everybody this industry deems other, which is everyone who is not a white male, so women, people of colour, LGBTQ, the disabled, older people, Start your own agency. And I don't mean by that, start an agency like the ones you see around you. I mean, start something that gives you agency. And the way to do that is take a long, hard look around you. Identify 
what you think is missing in our industry that you could bring to the table, what you would love to have in our industry that nobody is currently doing, what you would love to use yourself in our industry that you think you could execute on and then start that. And by the way, when you do that, and when you build it and grow it, in a few years' time, a holding company will buy it from you for a shit ton of money. <laughs> um, but, 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 but what I'm really saying there is, I'm actually saying start your own industry, literally. Reinvent. Reinvent this industry to be the industry you want it to be. And you will not do that within the system. This is where I take issue with Sheryl Sandberg, because Sheryl wants us to lean in within the existing system. I want us to redesign the system. And so, literally, my call to everybody in the industry, here at Canlines this week is, start your own industry. Okay, so hopefully if we're sitting here this time next year, we'll see the rise of new types of agencies and new business models? Um, we already are. So, I've been putting out the call for years now for the Martina Sorrells of our industry. I've been calling out to women to start the female-founded holding companies of the future. And every year at the 3% conference in the US, I celebrate everyone who told me during that year that they had started a new business because of what I've, what I've been saying. So in the past year, two women have started holding companies. Carrie Kirpin of Likeable Media has started Likeable Ventures, a holding company designed to acquire um, agencies started by other. And Judy Shapiro, who is the amazing older female founder of an ad tech platform called Engage Simply, which is brilliant, she brings a female lens to bear on the fraudulent and appallingly deceptive and quite frankly criminal practice world of ad tech. So she has started a holding company designed to acquire ad tech companies that focus on rebuilding something we have lost as an industry with our clients, which is trust. And her holding company is called The Trust Web. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right. We have a lot of um, interest. The ad tech market, I guess, is undergoing a lot of changes at the moment because it's horrendously complicated. As you say, there's been some issues with trust and transparency all the way through the supply chain. Um, so are you saying it's time to reinvent the whole supply chain? Absolutely. Through, through a diverse lens, through a human lens, for those of us who are marginalised and excluded in this industry. And what will incentivise brands to work with these new types of companies, do you think, when they've had established relationships for years, perhaps? Um, well, um, two things. First of all, brands absolutely um, feel the heat on this, especially because many of them are owned by publicly traded companies. 
And so shareholders are demanding a very different approach to business that they have historically. But secondly, because doing this produces results. You know, as you've, as you've just said yourself, we already know, I mean, there are numerous studies citing this, but 90% of women do not feel that advertising is relevant to them. And that's not surprising in an industry where 90% of creative directors are male. Okay. We are the primary consumers of everything and the primary purchasers and influencers of purchase of everything. It's utterly ridiculous we have a male-dominated industry talking to a target that is predominantly female. And so when you bring the female lens to bear on all of this, I guarantee you will see better business results and you will also see a healthier, happier, more creative and way more lucrative industry. Okay, so let's move on to um, regulation. So obviously, you know, regulation has a, a role to play in all of this as well. In the UK, uh, just this week, it was announced that the uh, ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, has um, announced a, a, a ban, effectively, on harmful stereotyping of, of gender. Um, now, obviously, that sounds like a good thing, but how do you think that will actually play out in practice? Um, so the answer is not legislation, although, by the way, you know, it's a good thing that legislation exists now because at least it will make everyone focus on this issue more. Yeah. But as I said earlier, what we do not need is lots of young white male creatives going, oh, my God, when I write this ad, better make sure I've shown women in a sensitive way. You know, um, have women do the ads. Problem solved. And by the way, very importantly, when we have gender equal creative departments, or ideally more female than male, because it's been the other way around for way too long, more female than male ECDs, not only will we see better depictions of women in advertising, we will see better depictions of men. Because I'm completely fed up with seeing young male morons in beer ads. I'm fed up with seeing hapless husbands, helpless fathers. That is lazy writing, that is lazy stereotyping from male-dominated creative departments. When women write the ads, when women approve the ads, when women produce and direct the ads, we will see much more empathetic, nuanced, and more aspirational depictions of men. Do you think humour has a role to play? Because we, we've done research which shows that actually one of the key things that makes people most receptive to advertising is, is humour, and actually with women more so than with men. Mm. But somehow, in real life, this doesn't play out quite so well because women actually don't find ads quite so funny. Um, do you think that humour has a role to play? It absolutely does, and I'll tell you why women don't find ads funny. Um, for the same reason, so yesterday afternoon, I was talking to the See It, Be It cohort here at Cannes Lions, which are the you know, rising female creative directors who are given a chance to come to Cannes and have a programme especially designed to coach them to leadership. So one of them from Australia um, said to me, Hi, Cindy, you know, I'm from Australia, and you know, um, humour is very much part of the Aussie culture. Yeah. Um, but she was saying, when I raise anything that is sexist or inappropriate, you know, the men around me kind of say, oh, you can't take a joke, and I'm made to feel like a real Debbie Downer. And I said, OK, let me correct you. When you say humour is part of the culture in Australia, what you mean is patriarchal male humour. Mm. Women are funny as hell, but we have a very different sense of humour. And you only have to look at the amazing Hannah Gadsby, from Australia, by the way, yes. to yep. see how very different and how very refreshing and how brilliantly spot on female humour is. So when you ask about anything in advertising, you need to preface it with white male hyphenated blah, because we have not even begun to see 
what the female sense of humour can deliver in terms of empathetic, empathetic, relevant, emotionally connective advertising with women. So there might be an idea in that, of getting the Hannah Gadsby's of this world to try and train or teach people how to write humour? Um, no, not at all. Again, okay. um, there are many Hannah Gadsby's. Think about your girlfriends. Within my own female social circle, think about the women who have each of us rolling yes. on the floor in hysterics. Crying. Um, yeah, all we need to do is be allowed to write the scripts we want to write with our humour, not putting them through the lens of a white male ECD who's going to go, well, I don't find that funny. Um, moving on to um, some other things I wanted to talk about, but just a little bit of an aside here. I noticed you've got some really interesting necklaces going on. Can you tell us a bit about sure. those? So, um, so this is my Facebook-like necklace. Right. And I wore it into a meeting with Twitter. They weren't happy. They sent me this, <laughs> my Twitter handle on a necklace. So now I have to wear both. These are my social media necklaces. But the reason I always wear these is... So um, I always get a reaction. Okay, there's a generational divide, by the way. Younger people go, oh, how nice, a Facebook like. Older people go, oh, how nice, a thumbs up. Um, <laughs> but the point is that my work with my startups, Make Love Not Porn If Around the World, it's all about using technology to make good things happen in the real world, to connect people in the real world. And these are digital symbols that produce a positive reaction in the real world. And so that's why I like to wear them, because they're very emblematic of the work I do. Okay, that's brilliant. Um, I want to ask you one more question about um, the fine line between what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. Um, there have been some ads that have come out fairly recently, uh, Viva La Vulva being one of them, which does produce quite extreme reactions depending on who you're talking to. So where do you stand on the, you know, can ads ever be too inappropriate? Oh my bloody God. Okay, I absolutely love the Viva La Vulva campaign, okay, and, um, and I've met the team behind it, and I love it because Viva La Vulva is doing exactly what I'm doing with Make Love Not Porn, which is socialising sexuality, normalising it, taking the shame and embarrassment out of it. And by the way, this is also a highly gender unequal area. Think about the number of dick jokes you hear all around you in every bar all week at Cannes Lions, and yet... People in the industry go, oh, Viva La Vulva. Um, there's an appalling double standard. And I love that campaign because it is normalising all of this. I spoke about this, actually, um, in my um, keynote earlier on this week, where I said we do consumers a huge disservice when we do not normalise this universal air of human experience. I was here at Cannes um, several years ago speaking in a session called Porn, Youth and Brands, the biggest cultural influence on young people today that we don't talk about. So um, I said to the audience, how many of you here are strategic planners? So a whole forest of hands goes up. I go, okay, keep your hand up if you are the kind of strategic planner who, when you are developing a strategy for the client, briefing the credit department, write something like this. Our target audience is an 24-year-old young man. Here is where he tends to live, the kind of job he does, here's where he hangs out with his friends. This is how many hours of porn he watches a week, and this is how it impacts his relationship with his girlfriend. No hands. I said, why are we not bringing to this universal area of human experience the same in-depth analysis, insights and perspectives as we do every other part of consumer attitudes, usage and behaviour? And so our industry is missing a huge trick there. Not, not least because um, there's a much broader application of this than anybody thinks. So um, people have sex in cars. 
especially in markets where, for social cultural reasons, premarital sex is frowned upon. Mm -hmm. Young people live at home with their parents till they get married, which, by the way, is now the UK and the US, given the economy. All markets where whole families live together in households communally, so even husbands and wives cannot find space to be intimate. So all around the world, a huge number of people having a huge amount of sex in a huge number of cars. Yet the automotive industry is spectacularly failing to factor this into product design and marketing. Even more fundamentally, people have sex in bed, but the mattress industry focuses all its R&D on sleep. People have sex on kitchen counters, but the kitchen industry is not taking that into account with height, depth, comfort. You know, there is a much bigger business application of all of this than the industry currently thinks, and we are leaving money on the table when we don't normalise it and socialise it. I think that's a fantastic place to stop. We need to bring, bring sex back as well. Absolutely. Great. So thank you, Cindy. And remember, you can listen to Future Proof from Kantar and Sai Business School. Just visit uk.kantar.com forward slash podcast for all our episodes and more information. Thank you so much, Cindy. That was great. It's a pleasure. episodes and more information visit uk.cantar.com or oxfordfutureofmarketing.com please leave us a rating and a review and subscribe within your podcast app so you know when new episodes are released thank you